Hey, what's up, Story Geeks? Thanks for joining us today on the Story Geeks podcast. I'm Justin, and we are just getting started in our summer series of conversations looking at the themes and deeper meanings present in video games. Today, we'll be discussing some of the big ideas communicated through the gorgeous, award-winning game, Journey, by that game company. I consider myself a casual gamer, much like the majority of our current Story Geeks community, which is why I'm joined for this series by a serious gamer, my co-host Ryan Swindoll. How's it going, Ryan? Oh, it's going so well, Justin Weaver. So excited <laughs> to talk about this game today. I'm excited too, which is always how we start these episodes, but I genuinely am excited about this. Yes, me too. <laughs> To make sure you don't miss any of this series on video games or to check out our previous conversations, you can subscribe to the Story Geeks podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. Ryan, as the curator of our list of games to play and discuss this season, could you give us a quick intro or teaser for Journey? Certainly. So in Journey, you play as a desert wayfarer or traveler seeking the enlightened summit of a distant mountain. You wear red robes that possess a living energy of light, word, and song. As you wander the desert, you encounter this strange flora and fauna styled after magic carpets. And you also find other wayfarers, all who help you along the way. You seek these secret symbols of power that awaken the latent energy of your robes and send you in these gravity-defying ascents. But what is at the summit of the mountain? Why did the ancient city fail and what dangers lurk beneath the sand? These things you find out as you continue on the journey. Awesome. A lot has already been said about this game, so we get to join a wonderful conversation that's been going over the last eight years since this game came out. The soundtrack for this game was nominated for a Grammy. And so I thought it would be interesting to ease us into this conversation to share the audio of a commercial for Journey that PlayStation put out. They invited people to use the hashtag OurJourney and share a little bit about their experience with this game. You should check out the video so you can see some of the beautiful visuals of the game, but you'll be able to hear various clips of testimonials and some of Journey's incredible soundtracks. This game is a representation of all of our journeys. Someone is always going to be a part of your life, whether you like it or not. But in the end, would any journey be as fun without them? It felt like prayer to me. Like hope. No matter what's put in your way, you just keep on moving forward. It's about people achieving their dreams, but maybe at the end of the day, the dream itself is not important. It's the process of getting there. The first time I was separated from my companion, I was really sad to see him go. Playing Journey was truly part of my healing process that I needed to go through. One of the greatest experiences I've had on a video game console came when I was playing Journey. So as you can see, this game has impacted a lot of people in a variety of ways. So Justin, I'm really curious how this game impacted you and your experience of it. Ryan, this game impacted me so much. <laughs> <laughs> we can literally dart at the title screen. The image of the traveler walking over that first hill seeing the mountain in the distance, having the music swell a little bit, and having Journey posted across my screen. 
it felt like an invitation into something bigger, into an adventure, and the game had me from the get-go. You're giving me chills, Justin. Well, it gave me chills. I think where this game really drew me in, the moment I was hooked, was in what I call the slidey level. The slidey levels? It's when you coast down the sand dunes, and the whole thing is this almost like wakeboarding experience. Mm. They literally have arches that look like gates you might cross as a skier, and you fly through it and you get airtime, and it's this joyful, kinetic experience. It's, I think, one of the most genius moments of the game from a sport and theater standpoint because it's connecting you to the flow of the game and you're just completely immersed at that point. Yeah, and it changes the pace of the game at that moment because much of the game up to that point has been searching in every direction and then this picks up the pace and makes you go in one direction. Yeah, so you're hunting for secrets, right, in the sand dunes. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the beginning of it. You don't know anything yet. You see the mountain. It's way on the horizon. And all you have right now are these endless dunes in front of you. So to make things interesting, I mean, you you get to the first summit. You look down, and there looks to be some kind of shining hieroglyphic in midair. And so you walk up to it. You interact with it. And all of a sudden, your robes change. And this is... I think your first indication in the game that something magical is at work here. And so you continue exploring these desert areas and you may find more of these symbols or you may kind of wander on and miss some. And then at the end of each, you might say, level, you're presented with this weird vision and other robed people appear that you've never met before and now they're giving you these hieroglyphic type visions of some scene that you have no context for. (laughs) And this is really so much of the beginning of the game, is just not knowing what's going on. As the game develops, these kinds of loops appear. You're you're searching for secrets, you're you're getting visions from these strange white-robed creatures, and you are getting ever closer to the mountain. In just about any other game that I've ever played, there would be some kind of narration or something to explain to you Here's what these are. Here's how you interact with them. Here's how you can use this to further your adventure. But like you were saying about not knowing what's happening, I feel like that in and of itself was such a simple analogy for life or any new venture is we're doing it for the first time. I didn't get a rule book on how to insert journey, whether it's be a parent, be married, go to college, start a new job. Oh, you didn't get that rule book. Oh, shoot. Did you get did you get two oh, copies? Because yeah. mine must have gotten forwarded to you. You know what? They they went online. They're no longer dropping it off at your doorstep like oh, they used to. Oh, shoot. I'll look that up later. But <laughs> there's not a negative side to not knowing what you're doing. You learn as you go. And if you miss some of those glowing icons, the game doesn't hold it against you. The gameplay rewards exploration and finding every single thing, but it also rewards just going toward the mountain. So I really appreciated the freedom I experienced in playing that game. Yeah, there's really no way to lose. Right. So in Journey, you are in this space you don't even know other players can be in. Yeah. And that's 
one of the hilarious things about it, people play the game and they don't know that they've actually interacted with other players. They think it's some kind of advanced AI right. that's assisted them in the game and acted like a person. But in the end, they realize it it, it was a person. <laughs> right. And that revelation only comes at the end of the credits. Yeah. We had a couple people interact with us on Facebook about the various experiences Jimmy thought it was AI and started competing with it. <laughs> and then Eric played the game through three different times and he just kind of walked me through how each time the playing experience was different because he had a greater understanding of the game and he could come to understand whether or not the other player had played the game before or was brand new to it like he was. So you're only ever with one other person at a time. Right. It's not a massively multiplayer game. Right. But it kind of looks at anyone who may be in the same place and then pairs you in the game with them, which is this really genius mechanic and really understated. But it all serves the story. It all serves the experience. So the last thing that was kind of an impression for me was I feel like this game itself is an archetype. It is a picture of a journey that seems to take ideas from story structure, various religions, and even psychology. So I feel like we're going to have to jump in and out of different analogies and metaphors to be able to talk about some of the ideas. So we'll, we'll see where we go in this conversation. But there were three big categories I was kind of naming out for myself as I was thinking about what kind of journey this is. The first is simply the journey of life, growing up, growing in knowledge and maturity, accomplishing what you set out to do as an adult, and then reaching the end of your life. This journey was most clearly exemplified for me in the various postures that the ancestors, those white-robed beings that you get in the cutscenes or the visions, the way they were postured toward your character when they were talking to you, it begins as kind of a distant posture, sort of like a teacher to a student. And then they're closer and looking down on you, and that feels maybe more like a parent to a child. And then... They're not looking down on you and close, so maybe like a mentor. And then yeah. in the last couple of scenes, you're standing side by side facing the mountain. Mm. And that feels more like peers. So there's kind of a progression and growth that you see. It's classic cinematics, right? Exactly. It's the camera framing so that you're looking up at them or you're looking down behind their shoulder. And this establishes that hierarchical relationship between that figure and you as the player. The second journey that I think is very clear in this is some sort of spiritual or even emotional journey. I think those are different categories, but they can be talked about together in a lot of ways. Our friend Jimmy commented on Facebook that he played this game later in the day by himself after his family had had to put their dog down. Mm -hmm. And he was playing this game because he's a friend and supporting us and joining the conversation and he was very surprised that this game helped him process some of the grief and loss he was feeling yeah. and so I think there is something to the picture of this game you're able to project your own journey whatever you're going through 
onto this game. We heard that from Jimmy. We heard that from the trailer at the beginning of the podcast. The last category I had was that it's meant to be a picture of the hero's journey as a storytelling formula. In broad brushstrokes, this could almost be an abbreviated version of The Lord of the Rings. You're walking to a mountain. That's your mission. I also think that this game, by using such a vague word like journey, allows it to be all of these things at once. Yeah, it's like because there isn't a lot of uh, verbal content to the game and everything is presented rather abstractly, you're pretty much asked as the player to impart or impose your own experiences or ideas onto the scenes you see. So in that way, Journey as a game operates a lot like a cipher or a lens Mm. through which you can look at the journey in your life. All right, we're about to head into spoiler territory. So similar to how we approach our Dig Deeper series, we'll be looking at the big ideas and discussing this game in its entirety. If you still want to experience the game first, pause us here, go play it. It only takes an hour and a half to two hours and then come back to the conversation. Our desire is for this series to feel like a book club for video games. So we want it to be a conversation where we get to hear your thoughts, experiences, and questions please join the Story Geeks Facebook group, which is where most of our dialogue is happening for each of these games. You can also follow us on Instagram by following at the Story Geeks. Now back to the conversation. So here's the spoiler synopsis. This is really all three acts of the game together. There's the desert that exists on the outside of these ruins. And then there's the section in the ruins where you actually slide down and go under this sunken city. It's very dark, and there you meet the antagonist of the game. And these flying serpents eat magic cloth. And so these machines, they can't be fought. You have to hide, and if you don't, they're going to eat the magic scarf that you've collected through the game. And if that happens, and it often does, it's a horrifying and depressing moment. As you feel you've lost something you worked so hard to achieve, it leaves you with all these questions. Can you recover from the lost? Will now you not be able to complete the journey because you've been hurt? It's really the kind of questions we ask about trauma. Mm. Because when we suffer trauma, in the traumas I've suffered, you're filled with this regret and the sense that you have lost something that can never be restored. And it's amazing how this simple game gives you that experience because nothing has been explained so far, Mm. just like life. And you're left now in this position of having lost some of your power and it feels crippling. Hmm. And then yet the game goes on. And the game goes on Hmm. and it is possible to complete it. They could have made it where there's this secret ending that you get to only if you survive it without having trauma. Right. But as it turns out, that just colors your own experience of the game and your own playthrough that time, and that's enough. Hmm. So you weave your way out of this dark subterranean ruin, and so this takes you into the third act of the game at the foot of the mountain where the cold is sapping your magical strength. And so the only way to pass this is to hide. You have to cower behind rocks or tombstones and the war machines are flying through the air hunting you and the wind is blowing you back and you reach what looks to be the final ascent. 
and here there is no protection. The wind is assaulting you and you're shielding your face and you go out into the cold and you're watching your robe freeze from the bottom up. Your scarf decays until it becomes nothing. Mm. This had been your power all along and now it's gone. They show the mountain falling away in the distance, becomes concealed by cloud. Yes, you lose sense of direction right at the end as you're walking. Yeah, and then eventually your character moves so slow and stoops and they fall and the game fades to black. And it's a very affecting moment in the game as you reach this end. And then it goes back into one of those vision sections. But here, all of the figures who have spoken with you are now assembled together. And they are looking down upon you. And then the game fades into this uplifting moment of music. And now you're alive again. And not only that, but your scarf is revived. And it's as long as it possibly can be. And its powers regenerate. And you have the unlimited power of flight. And here you are ascending over the clouds. And it's an awful lot like swimming in the air as you are making your way to the final summit of the mountain. And there you venture into the mystical crack of light. And the game kind of fades out into white as you near the core. Mm. And then you're left, you're left in this experience of what just happened as now a shooting star shoots out of the middle. And you're like, did I become that star? Did that star shoot because I showed up? What does it all mean, right? And then you sail over all the topography of the journey you've just taken and end up back where you started in the desert. And we see a new wayfarer who is you or someone inspired by you now taking the journey again. So, Justin, from here, I, I really want to get into the big ideas behind this game. And I'm so curious. Like, we just, we need to take the gloves off. I want to know, is this an analogy for life? Are we trapped in this cycle of rebirth? Ugh. <laughs> oh. We're going there. We're going We're going there, man. Okay. I mean, this is is the fundamental Buddhist idea, right? Right. We are all in life in this cycle of birth and rebirth, and part of the goal is to be liberated from that cycle because on the outside or above it is this transcendence, this nirvana that will bring us everlasting peace. Right. This game is not presenting earth or humans. And so it gave me a sense that I can interpret this a little more broadly. I think that this game presents a type of reincarnation, but it's not the kind of reincarnation that we are familiar with from a world religion on earth. Because since this character is you, you go back to this journey as you so it's not something where you would forget about past lives or maybe you could get access to some of the knowledge or memories of past lives through meditation or something like that i think you just go back as the same person so you're sent back on this mission but your mission is now fundamentally changed and mark on your facebook pointed this out that your mission now is to ascend the mountain again but since you have already achieved this 
you can provide help to the various people that you come across in the game that you were not able to help before. This game honors growth and learning and then also relationships. And I see both of those honored in this cyclical playing of the game because as you beat the game, your costume changes. Your robe becomes more ornate. And you can even get a white robe. Braggart. I mean, you know, I, we, 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 can, we can tackle that on a different episode <laughs> when you achieve achievement transcendence. But these are really interesting cues to anyone in the game that knows what to look for to see who may be more experienced, may be able to help you in one way or another. And then the honoring of relationships because you can then serve as a mentor to someone else. So you can assist in this journey with others once you've been on it yourself. So I don't think it's one-to-one something that we're familiar with. I think it's kind of like I was saying, a broader picture of we all go on multiple journeys in our life. And when we complete a journey, though we may have encountered trauma and setbacks and failure, whatever journey we've been on, we can use that knowledge. We can use what we've learned and grown in to benefit others. We can walk with other people on their journeys because of what we've experienced. That seems a significant departure from a Buddhist idea, at least, of this rebirth where in some ways there's a reset that happens with memory. And you've taken some perhaps virtue from a former life or purpose, but not, say, your knowledge. Yes. And you have to start over on that, but not in this game. So in some ways they've remixed the idea of the rebirth and the cycle and in some ways made it a lot better because it's so enriching to serve as the mentor of others on this journey in the game. And what I also really think is interesting is that there is a liberation from the cycle, and that's when you as a player decide you're done playing it. Yeah. You you have taken everything you have from that game, and you have given everything you have to give to the game, and now you're done, Mm. and you go about your life as a person who has transcended journey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I had mentioned Michael Abbott several times in our promos leading up to this. He talked about the seven factors of enlightenment and how the various levels of the game mapped onto that. I didn't get a whole lot of that when I was playing it. And in fact, I kind of saw some other themes come out from this one was this idea of life force or kind of the, a world that is not merely materialist. Mm. Our culture is so very materialist. We think that everything that exists is some kind of mechanical or substantial physical thing. Mm-hmm. And when we look at other people, we think of them in terms of the sum of their parts. And this game is so very different from that or does not think that that's the case because here we have textiles that are floating in the air. (laughs) There is magic, right? right? And classic fantasy really admits there is a spiritual and non-physical component to the world that is alive and around us. And the more we can pay attention to that, the more we can unite with it and achieve our purpose Mm -hmm. as people. I found this game really had that at its heart. Yeah, and 
when you're talking about the anti-materialistic overtones, as we get those visions and revelations in the cutscenes, we get a history of what has happened. And you referred to the machines as the antagonist. And in the game, overtly, they absolutely are. But I think that you come to understand that the white-robed beings that are your ancestors are ultimately the antagonists of this game. Mm. And now they've, again, learned and grown, and now they're telling you about their mistakes. So they don't live on as the villain. They live in this humble place saying, here are the mistakes we've made, learn from it, and do better. So... In the hieroglyphs, the most striking image to me was that the mountain is shown a number of times with this beam of light, and that's kind of the source of all light. So we should absolutely ask the question of, is the mountain God? But I'm on a roll, so we'll, we'll, we'll get there in a second. <laughs> but you have this image of the mountain shooting light up into the air, and from that are all the hieroglyphs and everything from the animals and the ribbons to the white beings and the plants all come from that light. And then as you learn more about their history, they start fighting over something and create those flying sentinel beasts. They also create this huge flying machine that shoots light down to destroy. And so there's such a wild juxtaposition of using this power to either give life or take life. And I think that this game plays out the ramifications of when we fight over something that is trivial and you're walking through for the first third to a half of the game, the desert of ruins that used to be this thriving city because of the foolish decisions of these ancestors. So, yeah, I think this game leans hard into the importance of relationships and the importance of respecting the environment and not just using it only for our own means with no thought to the implications of the environment and others. Yeah, I love how you called the white-robed creatures the antagonists, because they invented these great hulking machines yep. that are now prowling and devouring the life force of the desert. They seem, in some ways, when characterized this way, they seem like ghosts. Yeah, They seem like spirits that can't find rest because of their sins, and they, they can no longer repent of them. And in some ways, your journey... And this is speculation, right? Like, push back if this isn't the case. Right. Your journey is a completion of their repentance, perhaps? I'd say yes, because even in that tower, before you enter the mountain, there's a mural that seems to be continuous of your entire journey. And I think that it is completing their journey. And again, they're now a part of it as your mentor and they've turned and they're doing what they can do with the knowledge they have now based on their mistakes. So by helping you along, they have kind of atoned for the things that they've done. 
I don't think that the game says that specifically because we don't see them entering the mountain or experiencing some kind of transformation themselves like your character does. And I'd say that feels very congruent with the tone of the game. There is one point in the game where it goes a little further than that, though, because they impart the knowledge of their past mistakes, but then they give you the new life, right? Right. They more or less resurrect you at the end and imbue you with invincible power. Right. (laughs) You become fully transcended you know, and, and now you're you're literally flying through the air and that it's totally unexplained, right? Right. But they're totally responsible for it. Right. And like I was saying, they were in the past using the power to destroy and at the very least, now they have the power to give a kind of life. So they've redirected their creative powers because mm-hmm. they created the cities, they mm-hmm. created the machines, and now they're directing it to create people right Mm. to to help people reach their fulfillment or their future so dovetailing with this you know anti-materialist kind of theme we see in the game this life force that's that's breathing in all of the cloth um i'm really curious about how this maps onto our actual lives Mm. because in a fantasy story it's all analogy and you can't say that cloth is going to come to magic in in our real world but what can we say just that words matter and words have power so you can do two things in the game you can fly and you can talk Mm -hmm. and we haven't really spoken at all about how the character can talk Um, You have a little glowing symbol (laughs) that's unique to your character in that playthrough. And depending on how long you hold down the talk button depends on how loud or how long your chirp or your song or whatever you want to call it is. And your speech is one of the two things that can regenerate cloth, not on yourself, but for someone else that you're playing with. Right. Or for the creatures around you. And I love that throughout this entire game, they chose to focus on the life-giving nature of words and didn't really give you an option to diminish people or to take that energy from people through your words. Right. No, I love I love that a lot because that's exactly it, right? The the words have a power to someone's spirit. And in this game, there isn't any verbal content to those words. It's all presented in hieroglyphs you can't read. But the effect is very obvious. It's bringing life, joy, flight, you know, all of the uplifting, the mountain-bound energy of the game. Uh, comes through these little chirps on the part of the characters and even your physical proximity does it as well as you walk next to some of these dusty carpets they gain life and it's this it's this great image that really it's through the contact that we make with our words and our lives we can bring life to other people and it's the only way you can complete the journey is by helping other people, creatures along the way, helping life itself soldier on through the desert until you reach the end. So I said that we need to ask the question, you know, 
is the mountain god. So Ryan, as we're talking about entering the light and you've climbed the mountain as the player, what do you think the mountain is or represents for this game? So it's a great question because I have a hard time conceiving of a spiritual journey without some kind of supernatural source behind it. I think of our own spirits as being immaterial parts of ourselves. And I, I have no way of conceiving of that apart from a creator or a spirit that birthed or fashioned these immaterial things out of nothing. Because otherwise I would just be a materialist, right? We, we're just bodies and our conscious experience is some kind of uh, phenomenon that has come from our complex brains, right? The matrix. The matrix. But in the case of the game, the mountain does represent that kind of spiritual source, that, that fountain. It almost looks a bit like a fountain yeah. where you imagine the light spilling over um, from the mountain to the rest of the world. And so there is a sense that we're getting closer to the source. Now, where I don't believe it is God is in that final moment, when you arrive, this transformation happens that sends you out in a different form. Your body is lost. You're sent out as a shooting star. And it's difficult for me to kind of parse that in the game. I think it's the moment that they allowed themselves to be most vague. But in some ways, I don't know. I may feel a little cheated by that. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a moving ending where you perceive that, oh, these shooting stars we've been seeing all along in the game are other people who have completed the journey. And in some ways, they provide a kind of beautiful inspiration for your own walk. Mm. But we have to ask that question, well, what God are we talking about? <laughs> because Absolutely. I think of one vision for a future state of humanity is one where God embraces us and never lets us go. <laughs> and in this case, we're sent out as our own lonely stars. And I don't know if you saw the TV show, The Good Place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, for, for those who have seen it, there's quite a parallel between this game journey and the end of The Good Place, which would see us moving past this idea of a beautiful afterlife and more into this embracing of a cosmos that then inspires others on their journeys. Mm. And I don't find that very compelling mm. personally as a model for a spiritual journey, but I'm not a Buddhist. So. Right. <laughs> and that's really interesting uh, what you were saying about the shooting star. On one of my playthroughs, I found a space where a shooting star lands and you can see it land and it turns Whoa. into that little school of cloths. Interesting. Yeah, so it, it seems that that might be the way that the mountain sends multiple things out. It's like a seed of life. Exactly, and we see that in some of the visions that the mountain is just mm. shooting light and various things whether it's plants or birds or the mm. white robed ancestors out 
Yeah, and that's really classic, right, with reincarnation. It's the embracing of the cosmic law or order and uniting yourself to it mm. such that you allow yourself to become the seeds of other things. Yeah. So at the very least, I don't think the mountain is personal. I don't really get the sense that you can have much of a relationship with the mountain. Yeah, I do agree with the word source. Yeah. But it doesn't strike me as God. Yeah, I don't think God is the right word. Maybe Dharma, this idea of cosmic law and order mm. and uh, foundation and source. It's the one thing that doesn't change about the desert, right? Right. The mountain is always it, even though cities rise and fall. We hope you're enjoying this curated list of video games to play and that you find the discussion on them to be interesting and fun. If you would like us to continue producing video game content, let us know. One way to let us know is to support us on Patreon. Among other things, that would allow us to create a second podcast focused solely on video games. We'll also be putting up some recommendations from Ryan for other games to try if you loved the game we're discussing. So head over to our Patreon page and check that out. If you want more information on this podcast or a backlog of all of our content, be sure to visit thestorygeeks.com. All right, Rye, takeaways. It is all of these stories you've said, Justin. You know, the hero's journey, it's the story of life. It's the story of our development and maturation. We can read into Journey a lot of stories that are popular or cliche, but find in it this kind of purified form. And I think that's what's so genius about the game. It allows us to do something like what Jimmy did, bring ourselves and the things we're thinking about and feeling and bring it into our experience of playing the game. And there's a catharsis that's available there. Like in any good theater, the audience brings part of the energy and the takeaway. I'm reminded through our conversation, Justin, how important it is that we are mindful of our spiritual journey mm. and that we are continually thinking about it, that we are understanding it, and then helping others along the way. Yeah. That sympathetic aspect of this game is one of the dearest components to it. And it's one of the things that's created such an amazing community around the game, even eight years later. People love the idea of helping others. Mm. And that sentiment needs to be alive right now in our community of isolation. We have to come alongside each other on our journeys, some further ahead, some further behind. Mm. Those were some beautiful thoughts, Rai. The picture that I had in my mind when I was thinking about this was I went with a friend to their first AA meeting. And that room became a picture for me of community. All these people have this journey in common, but they're all at different places of their journey. Some people have been sober for decades. Some people have been sober for hours and everywhere in, in between. But they're all there with each other, supporting each other, encouraging each other, and helping each other. And that has become a really important image of what community can be for me, where we're all together even though we're in different places in the journey. Yeah. I wish we all were required to be in a group like that mm. for our own health, Yep, just as we all need a roof to sleep under. Mm. And I feel like this is a good place to just mention 
that at the beginning of this pandemic time, this was a game that PlayStation gave out to everyone that owned a PlayStation for free. I thought that that was such a caring decision, not only in a practical way to give people something to do while we're all stuck at home, you know, self-isolating and being socially distant, but the things that we're talking about, the feelings that we've felt, and the connection and the various lessons that are possible to experience through this game would have been potentially a very hopeful experience for some of the people that were in a situation where they were not able to be very connected to others. Yeah, that's great. I can imagine a lot of people are processing their grief in the pandemic, their isolation by connecting through this game. Yeah, it's really a a nice, uh, touching story. Another thing I was thinking about was just the idea of this too shall pass in this time in the world after four months of quarantine and social distancing here in the U.S., I think it's easy to enter into a little bit of despair, feeling like this will never end, this is the new normal, we'll never get back to life as it was. It reminded me of the old YouTube video, David After Dentist, where the little kid is coming out of the effects of anesthesia after a procedure, and he says a number of hilarious things, but one of the things he asks his dad is, you know, is this going to be forever? And like, no, nobody, this isn't going to be forever. And I think this game demonstrated that to me because there were such wonderful highs and really low lows that you experience in pretty quick succession with each other. And it brought to mind a a passage of scripture where it talks about there's a season for everything and a time for every matter to be born and to die, to plant and to pluck up what is planted, to weep and to laugh, to mourn and to dance. And I think it's just important to remember that we will go through different seasons. Someone might find themselves in a really great season, and that's just wonderful. And I think that this remembering this too shall pass is not to like set someone on anxiety about what's about to happen or something, but allows people to really invest and be present in the joy of what's happening but then also kind of be humble and grounded, knowing that this won't only be my experience forever, but it's great for right now. Yeah. I feel like there's a flip side to that. Yes. This too shall pass, which is there is a way forward. Yes. Because when you know there's a way forward, it can open up the space to grieve or process what you're in. Yeah. Yeah, because I'd say to your point, If someone finds themselves in a time of loss, whatever kind of loss that is, to kind of take heart and not in a passive way, but this isn't going to be forever either. You know, this too will pass. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Justin, thank you for this conversation. Thanks for being with me. (laughs) You're very welcome, my friend. And hey, this isn't stopping, man. We've got three more games on the horizon. Oh, yes. Our next game is Inside by Playdead. Can you tell us a little bit about that game? Things are going to get creepy. We invite you to play or watch someone else play 
Playdead's masterpiece, Inside. This is a tricky puzzle platformer that contains some of the most jaw-dropping scenes in video games. And in true Story Geeks fashion, we're going to be breaking down the game's deep thoughts on free will, body horror, mind control, and how you can avoid being a hapless voyeur of catastrophe by showing courage and compassion. Content warning, this is a horror game, so expect some violence and a bit of gore, though it is very far from a slasher. Think of it like an Orwellian dystopia. And so if you come into it with those expectations, I I think you'll be rightly set up to enjoy it. And if that does not sound like your cup of tea, then I would just come listen to the podcast and join us for the next game afterward. You're going to find Inside on all platforms, desktop, console, and mobile device. And there's even a free demo I hear on iOS. I encourage you to check it out. It's a game that you will never forget. And joining us for that conversation will be fellow Story Geeks host and horror enthusiast, Sandra Demas. So I think we're going to have a pretty awesome conversation about that game. Brilliant. To make sure you don't miss that show or any of our upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe today on your preferred podcast provider. Thanks for listening, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories. And always seek the truth. 